shaken and disturbed. As always, I'm Darren Karp, and I'm here with Johnny Boy Thrasher. That is your Hi. legal birth name. That's Hi. me. Uh, this is the last episode. This is the these yeah. are the last days of 2021. We will yeah, never right. experience 2021 again. That's a great way to put that. Thank you for putting it that way. Um, you're welcome. I wasn't sure if you realized that or not. Yeah, I'm not sure thank if, yeah. you. Okay, you're thank welcome. I don't know. I don't know if you knew how time worked. I, I don't just, actually half the time. Honestly. Well, thank God for me then. That's no, what I've always said. You you were basically like um, the Doctor Strange of my life, and you're not going to oh, know that reference, but a lot of people no. who watch Marvel will. So thank you. And that's really what's the. <laughs> that's yeah. what matters most. Yeah, this is our last full episode. Actually, our last episode of any type in 2021, Darren. I'm just so thankful for the listeners, you guys listening, and those of you who support us on Patreon. You've made our year so incredible, so thank you for that. Yeah, it's been a really good launch. I mean, I can't believe it's been a year already, but it's it's the feedback has been incredible, and people are still discovering it from Martinez and Murder, so that's always exciting. Like, it is. New it listeners, is. the Facebook group has stayed strong, which I always love. And, love that. Uh, Love we that. just want to continue to bring you guys more and more content, obviously. Oh, yeah. So in fun and in different ways. Maybe you'll see some of that in the next year. Who knows? Yeah, I think I think we have our footing now. Uh, yeah, it took us we a year do. to get our footing, but we have it. But John, you have to be imbibing on the last episode of the year. Oh, a hundred percent. Because okay, because we're I recording am. This, is this week. Yeah, we're recording this episode um, the week of obviously before New Year's, between Christmas and New Year's. And right. I have the week off, so you can bet your ass that I nope. will absolutely be drinking on today's episode. Now, Are you betting your ass for this? I, I, I guess I should bet my ass. Okay, got it. My ass is on yeah. the line. John, <laughs> what are you drinking? Well, I went back and forth because I have this coffee whiskey. I know I've been talking about it a lot, but I really would like to finish it because I am drinking coffee today. But I know you were also thinking about <sighs> champagne. Oh my God, that's right. Forgot about champagne. Or some boublés. But some I Michael feel Boublais. like this year has been shaped and formatted around one liquor product that has taken over the show one way or another, whether we like it or not. And it just wouldn't feel right to not have this drink be the last drink heading into New Year. So you can probably Are you drinking guess. Dessert? Are you you drinking can probably dessert? guess what it is, right? It's Bailey's apple pie. Apple pie. Yeah, limited edition. So I'm having it in my coffee. The other reason I'm drinking coffee, it's like 3 o'clock in the afternoon, is because the weather, Darren, has been so topsy-turvy that my voice has really kind of struggled this week. Like some days I wake up and I've got a real nice deep... I mean, today it sounds pretty deep, you know what I mean? But other days I'm just like, it's kind of hoarse or dry. And it's just, it's a lot to deal with. You know me and my... No, I know. I feel the same way. It's also been super dreary here in New York City for solid like five days. I know. Same here. So yeah, it's kind of. I can't tell if it's like my mood or I'm run down. Like I'm tired a lot. I don't know. It's the outdoors. That's the other thing. Don't let the weather tell you how you feel. That's one thing I've learned in my life. Maybe you can take that. Or at least however I feel, blame the weather. Or that's a good way to put it. Yes, exactly. I love the way you put that. Are you Um, drinking? I'm I'm sure you are. I'm drinking. And I don't know if you and I have ever really discussed. I love sour beers. Sour beers. I think you have touched on it in the past. Yes. Well, I have. They're an acquired taste, but I've sort of been a fan for them. It kind of took me a long time to get into them but i am into them mm-hmm. and 
uh, my girlfriend, who's Iranian, was telling me about this Iranian beer, this Persian beer that yeah. she had over the holidays when she went home. And she was like, we have to try and find it. It's called Back Home Beer, a sumac goja. Um, it's an ale with cured sumac, blue salt, and tart cherry. And we looked oh. it up at this website of like where to find it. And it was like at this, this place called Craft and Carry, which is right by my apartment, which is essentially Perfect. like a bar, but it also has like a lot yeah. of specific craft beers. And Love they it. have this. And so we bought a few. And so I'm trying it for the first time on this show right now. In fact, <laughs> hold on. Take a sip. Let's hear it. I just All poured right. mine. Should we cheers? Right. Let's do a like pretend Let's cheers, cheers to 2021, the first year of Shaken and Disturbed. We appreciate all of our fran- fans. John, I appreciate our you. Our friends. <laughs> friends and fans. And cheers um, to 2022. Cheers to 2022. I just banged my water bottle into my cup, so it sounds like we Ooh, cheersed. How is the good. How's your sour beer? Ooh. It's like if you like... If you like sour beer and you like cherry, because it's hard. Oh, like, it's not as okay. tart as you as normal sour beers I've had, so this okay. might be a good intro for people who enjoy a cherry flavor, but yeah. it's good. It's uh well, I will it's say, nice and it's four point six percent alcohol. So oh mom's my god, Mama's gonna be turned up by the end of mm-hmm. this show. I will say yeah. there are two flavors in the culinary world that I can't stand and it's sour and beer. So the two oh. of them together sound like a disaster for me, but I'm I'm glad you're enjoying I get it. it. Yeah, I get it. In fact, I I was at the bar the other day and I tried to order a sour beer, and he looked at me. He was like, "Um, it's like two and a half percent alcohol. It's not even worth getting it as a drink." And I was like, <laughs> "Okay, thank you, sir. Appreciate you." That's funny. really funny. Um, but let's get into this week's case because this yeah. one's uh, pretty interesting. It's our last case it's an of, oldie. of 2021, and we're going yeah. all the way back to 1885. When Frank Ball arrived in Elmendorf, Texas, about 15 miles outside San Antonio, where he opened up a general store and met his wife, Elizabeth. Frank and Elizabeth had eight children and settled in the the area, (laughs) becoming prominent community members. Their second child, Joseph, was born. Is this like the tale of Jesus? Their second child, Joseph, was born on January 7th, 1896. Wait, can I just say, though? What? What? We have good careers, but eight children would bankrupt us. I was, you know, it is so funny you said that because yesterday. How do people do this? It's so impressive. I was at dinner with some friends and I saw what appeared to be, maybe I was wrong. I don't know. Maybe I'm just thinking about my own life situation. A single mother of three in a restaurant. And I thought, Maybe not a single mother. I guess I should say a woman who appeared to be the mother of these three children. There we go. Okay. Um, Correction. Yes. And I, and I found myself being like, imagine how much that dinner is going to cost. And then I realized that my mom was a single mother of three. And as I get older, I just kind of realize, like, damn, there's a lot that goes into parenthood that, like, as I get older, I only, I only am just now realizing the significance of that, you know? Like, she worked her ass off, my mom, and, Mike, it's you incredible. know. It's incredible. Yeah, it really is. So shout out to all parents, but especially single parents that are out there yes. with multiple children or even just one ch- and, kid. Well, that's what I was going to say. I watch my <laughs> friends who all have babies, yeah, you know, same. and I, it's like two people versus <laughs> one infant, and they're, like, drowning. Right. So it's just, you right. know, they're like, I can't sleep, I can't I eat, know. oh, my God, and I'm like... 
What did they do in olden times when they had you I know, know. 12 fucking Eight children? Eight kids like, like these right, people, it, yeah. They made it happen. Anyway. No, sorry. I know. I, it's so funny. We should we should talk about our, all of our friends having kids and the struggles that come we'll with that. We'll get NMR. NMR. <laughs> NMR. That poop. sounds good. Well, anyway, complaints are on NMR. That's yeah. true, yeah. Okay, so back to this, uh, this story. Saga. That's yeah. right, this saga. As he got older, Joe became interested in guns, spending hours every week practicing his shooting skills. In April of 1917, the U.S., of course, declared war with Germany, and Joe enlisted in the Army and was sent to the front lines. Joe survived and returned home in 1919, where he was honorably discharged and allowed to return home to Elmendorf. So, obviously, now, he's seen a lot of things. Let's put it that way. I mean, he's seen a lifetime, probably, in two yeah, years. Yeah, exactly. So, after the war, Joe worked in his father's store for a while, but had difficulty readjusting to civilian life, as most veterans do, by the way. And although, I shouldn't say most, but as many of them Veter- do. Veterans do, yeah. Yeah, yeah. veterans, yes. Yeah. Although or, he- or, or, sorry, or, like, ex-cons from prison. Like, anytime you're in a tough... Totally. Unnormal, for lack of a better term here, mm-hmm. you're going to have a hard time readjusting back into life, into society. Oh, like, my God, for sure. It's got to be hard, yeah. Well, although he didn't seem to enjoy working in the store, he did develop a taste for entrepreneurialism. At the start of the Prohibition, remember that as we drink wow. on today's as show. As we drink. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Cheers to 2021. Joe began his life as a bootlegger where he did the Lord's work providing illegal alcohol to the public. So well, thank you, Well, this Joe. is a religion I don't necessarily disagree with here <laughs> about providing illegal alcohol. But, you know, yeah. Prohibition obviously started basically... Yeah. Uh, you know, gangs and mafia types. Mm-hmm. And so this caused a lot. Prohibition, despite its quote-unquote good intentions, really was sure. the start of just, like, destruction for the society when you no, do this. You know? I know. It really did. It really was. But, and then Joe traveled around this area in a Ford, basically selling whiskey out of a barrel. I mean, what sounds more early 1900s than that? I'm not sure. I wonder is. what alcohol, like moonshine and these things, oh because we've sort of refined these things in factories and yeah, like what it with tasted. the yeah, what it tasted like, how pure, like how much more pure or less pure. I guess I don't know enough about you know alcohol. Me either. Yeah. Uh, creation, but fermentation, but like wow. I know. I wonder that, too. I'm sure it was probably so much more... I don't know if pure is the right word, but like... Or, like, disgusting? Yeah, no, for sure. Well, especially you said moonshine, and I just flashed back to this time I had moonshine, and I feel like I almost died, but yeah. Yeah, I've had moonshine. Uh, Reminds me of, like, Everclear from college. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Anyway, well, during this time, Joe hired an African-American man named Clifton Wheeler to assist with the business. Clifton was reportedly extremely frightened of Joe. When he drank, Joe had a habit of getting angry and shooting at his assistant's feet to make him, quote-unquote... Dance Uh. the Jitterbug, which makes me very happy that Andy Cohen is not like this. Um, John, I'm going to send him this clip and be like, just so you know, you need to be just tell her to dance the jitterbug. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Dance the jitterbug. Prohibition ended in December of 1933, and Joe's career was obviously set back because Mm. of that. However, he already knew a great deal about whiskey and beer craft and salesmanship, so decided to open up a saloon. He bought a plot of land outside Elmendorf and built a saloon called the Sociable Inn. I want to say that if we were alive. so warm. Yeah, it does. I wasn't. I want to say if we were alive, we'd probably do a live podcast there. You know what I mean? Like it sounds Absolutely. like the perfect situation. Yeah, and really get drunk off of like one drink. We just have to sniff the fucking whiskey. But, Absolutely. Well, the inn <laughs> contained a bar in front, 
two bedrooms in back and a fourth room where customers would drink and host cockfights. Mm, cockfights. Why am I elite, interested in that? I was going to say that seems like a John thing. <laughs> Not a oh, oh, I'm sorry. Thing. The chickens. No. Uh, the chickens. Chicken. Got it. The, the chickens. Well, Joe got along with his customers well enough. However, over time, oh developed a reputation for being someone whose good side you kind of wanted to stay on. You know, I know those people where it's like, yeah, yeah they're great. I just wouldn't want to be on their bad side. I think you're. Are you one of them? them? I think you're one of those people. I don't know. Maybe you are. I, I think people don't want to get on my bad side because I'm very seldom there. <laughs> so they don't really that's know true, yes. what it would look like. No, uh, that's true. I've never you know? seen. You don't have a because I'm side. not a dramatic you person. You know what I mean? You're like, not. I'm not. Did we talk about this on the show? I don't know if we did this or in person. Where I was just like, you're just like such a good person. That's it was on the show because I remember I said it was a love fest. So anyway, I won't keep. Go- I won't keep saying how great. I think of a you said on our Patreon live stream. It was so nice. Anyway, yeah, well, you're it was welcome. so nice. There you go. So, um, you know. Though his saloon was successful, Joe mm-hmm. decided he wanted to introduce a gimmick to his bar and deliver, decided on a live alligator pit. What? I gotta say, I totally would have gone to this, I'm sure, back in the day. I think I would have, like, too. It's like a but speakeasy. Is this Joe of- Exotic? Like, what is this? I'm confused. I mean, literally. Yeah. He installed a cement hole behind the saloon, oh, filled God. it with water, and erected a fence around it. He then filled it with five alligators. Begs the question how the fuck you got the alligators there, but okay. The pit was a great success and brought significantly more customers to the bar, many of whom came specifically to look at the alligators. Duh, what a gimmick. Specifically, spectators would come on Saturdays to buy tickets for the shows Joe put on where he would find small animals, cats, dogs, raccoons, basically anything he could get his hands on, squirrels, I'm sure, yeah. and threw them into the pit oh, for the God. alligators. Okay, I don't like this anymore. I'm not. No, yeah, this, this became, this really I'm, took I'm a turn. Soft, I'm a hard exit. I'm a hard pass on this Yeah, one. yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it reminds me of the Coliseum or something, you know, like how they used Ugh. to like have like lion, you know, they Fights, throw people yeah. into the ring at the Coliseum. I'm talking about the Coliseum, by the way. Like In the Rome, Rome. Coliseum. Yeah. Yes, yes. Anyway, um, that just reminded me of Sherry O'Terry because there's this moment <laughs> from a sketch. Not to go on about uh, on a tangent, but. She's literally coming to my apartment as we speak. What? Yeah, because she's here Okay. New Year's. Okay, well, you can tell her that I remember this sketch where she played um, Cass Van Rye in Morning Latte, a news reporter who was very, like, aloof. Yeah. And she had just gotten back from um, seeing the Coliseum. <laughs> and she's describing it, and she's like, it's a mess. Half of it's down. Half <laughs> of it's down. And I have the whole sketch memorized in my head. But anyway. Half of it's down. Half of it's down. I, I mean, she'll oh, know exactly I'll what I'm talking I'll have to tell her about. that. Tell her I said her. that and that I recited it on the show for her and send her I this will. clip and make her my friend. Okay. Anyways, um, the, you know, we're going to get to the actual crimes here, although throwing cats and dogs into an alligator pit is a, surely... We can end the story here <laughs> yeah, and that would right. leave me shaken and disturbed. And disturbed. But, but anyway, yeah. Joe, who I keep thinking of as Joe Exotic, but this is not it's, who we're talking about. I, I accepted Joe Exotic but with like a bowler hat. Early 1900s. Yes, that's a great way to put it. Well, he adored his pet alligators and he was extremely protective of them. And on one occasion, a neighbor complained about the smell coming from the pit, of course. Joe reportedly pulled a gun on the man and told him that he should mind his own business if he didn't want to end up as alligator food. Oh, dear. 
the neighbor oh dear, oh dear. the neighbor uh supposedly moved to another si- city shortly after this incident yeah i probably would too if i had the resources yeah no shit the saloon's other main draw was the wait staff joe had a reputation for hiring only darren beautiful young women as waitresses and bartenders so I mean, now you're going back literally joe exotic though or it literally this is jeff Lowe, who was like you yeah, know, yeah. as you saw in tiger king 2 you know he yes. had that code 69 for oh my god beautiful women on his property that would then work for him it's this is this is matching um by the way so now that they have beautiful young women and bartending and waitresses maybe you're gonna go back you 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 showed up for the alligators you left because of the cats and dogs maybe you're back for the waitresses i don't don't know know. i I feel like i prefer cats and dogs over human beings (laughs) but i don't know yeah Well, none of these women ever seemed to stay employed at the bar for long. And when asked, Joe chalked the high staff turnover up to the fact that the girls were just passing through town looking for for short-term work on their way through. Something's sounding a little sus about this. I'm just going to throw it out there. In 1934, Joe met 25-year-old Big Minnie Goathard. The two started dating and running the saloon together. This is a very Joe Exotic, though. Like, isn't this what happened? Like, he teamed up with somebody. It's weird. Joe and Minnie dated for about three years before Joe grew bored and fell in love with one of his waitresses, Dolores Goodwin. I just love her. I love love that her name is Big Minnie. Big Minnie. It's but again, like even Joe Exotic, Big Minnie. Like, there's just so many like weird little. I mean, um, we're creating the name Joe Exotic here, but yes. I know, yes. It's yeah. not actually Joe Exotic. It's just, they're all the similarities with the names kind of sound funny to me. But yeah, anyway. the circumstances, yeah. Well, despite the fact that Joe had previously thrown a bottle at her and left a large scar on her face and neck, Dolores liked Joe too, and they started seeing each other. Sounds well, it very would, unhealthy. It sounds horrible. Um, yeah. But unfortunately, oh God, I mean, I know so many people that are kind of like this, know, you know, it's know, so it's easy true. to like maybe judge it, but God, it's no, yeah, I mean, I'm not, easy to, no, I'm not saying you're judging, yeah, I'm just yeah, saying yeah. like, it's easy to be like, oh, well, she did this. And it's like, oh God, that's so real for people. Like it almost breaks my heart. You know it what really I mean? does. It really does. Yeah. Well, in 1937, Joe fell in love with an even younger waitress, oh, Lord have mercy. Hazel Brown, whom he started seeing, although he had never broken things off with Minnie or Dolores and all three worked at the bar together with Joe as their manager I mean this is very complicated and disturbing in its own way in the summer of 1937 Minnie disappeared Joe was quick to tell anyone who asked that she had just had just skipped town you know he he seemed to know where she went People and, being too eager to give information always makes me a little mm, sussy. Good point. I like the I like that thought. Mm-hmm. Well, the story Joe told was that Minnie had gotten involved with a black man, given birth to his baby, and the three had left town together. Obviously, interracial marriage wasn't a thing. Interracial relationships right. were looked down upon. So race, uh, this type of thing today. So it makes today, sense that she would run away. Exactly. Right. This type of right. thing today would obviously not be um, nearly as severe as it was back then, or at least you would hope so. I would hope. Um, Well, several months later, Joe married Dolores before telling her that Minnie hadn't actually skipped town. Uh, Perfect timing. You tell someone you marry someone and then you uh, have this go. He'd taken her to a nearby beach, shot her in the head, and buried her body. Wow. Oh, my God. What a thing to say. Imagine Uh, being like, "Um, real quick, before we keep 
before we finish yeah, just dinner. Like, just a heads up. Yeah, just, just a heads, a heads up. Because like I'm pre- I'm prepping dessert right now, and I just want you to know. Like, yeah, right. I want you to I'm know do- something I've never told you before. I yeah, like and friend. yeah, and you know, like. I I, it, it, I married her. I shot her in the head. And I married her. And then, it, but I went to a beach. But I yeah, went to a beach. Yeah, nothing to see here. Yeah. Yeah. So. Like what the fuck? Well, apparently this is what's even weirder because I, I need your I need your actual assessment on this. Sure. Dolores apparently didn't believe Joe and just reportedly never inquired about it further. Well, here's the thing. Sort of touching on is what it we just were... like a rap scallion type of guy, and he's always well, you know he's into prohibition and shit like that, and getting into trouble. Like, is that the? I mean, I think you know touching. We don't on... ask questions when people. Yeah, use. I think touching on what you had just said, you know, I'm getting this picture that he is the sort of epicenter of this society, or not the society, but the social circle, right? Like, he's dating all these other people. They don't really seem to care, despite getting physically harmed they can't this person doesn't even seem to be able to leave or doesn't want to leave right so it's i'm just getting this picture of joe that he's this very aggressive hands-on you leave me and i'm gonna kill you type of guy i don't know but if also he was probably at the same i'm also getting the the um which is kind of what you're saying. I'm also getting on the other side of that. He's probably very charming when he's not being abusive. Mm, and that's, that's a good why point. he keeps getting women. Yeah, right. There you must know, be something there. You know, especially these beautiful women. I mean, like unless Ted he's... Ted Bundy or something. Right, exactly. Like, he's got to be... Mm-hmm. He's got to be charming. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Well, in January of 1938, Dolores got into a car accident and had to have her left arm amputated. Oh Rumors God. began surfacing that Dolores' arm was actually eaten by one of Joe's <sighs> alligators, Ugh. although they were all unsubstantiated. And to be fair, that's a very convenient, not unlikely, but a convenient yeah. fun story. And well, by if, fun, I just mean, like, that's going to be the gossip mail around the neighborhood. Totally. You know, I mean, what if, happens. if this guy is known for these alligators and throwing cats and dogs into the ring, like... The town lore surely would be that he's going to throw people in there eventually. Yeah, yeah. Well, Regardless exactly. of if he's innocent or guilty is what I'm trying to say here, yeah. Well, in April, only four months after the accident, Dolores seemed to just vanish from the town. Oh, Hazel disappeared too shortly uh, after Dolores had disappeared. And in 1938, Minnie's family was still unable to mm. find any trace of her and asked for help from the Bexar County Sheriff. Joe was Minnie's last known employer and her boyfriend and was questioned by the police several times. However, the sheriff never found any evidence that Joe had harmed her. A few months later, the family of 23-year-old Julia Turner sought help from the sheriff about her about their missing daughter. Julia had also worked for Joe, so Joe was questioned again. He seems to be the common denominator. Yeah. This time claiming Julia had been going through some personal problems and wanted to leave town for a clean break. Once again, investigators were unable to find any evidence that Joe had a hand in Julia's disappearance, except for the fact that he seems to be the main employer. But this reminds me, you've seen Fried Green Tomatoes, right? I mean, when I was really young, I don't really remember much of it. But you, do you remember, like, the plot of how they, like, killed the abuse, abusive husband and then, like, cooked him as the barbecue and then fed him to the police? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so it's it like does sound in like the that. sauce. It's, like, almost a perfect crime. Yeah, and I mean... Which is why people think Carol Baskin, like, threw her... I was her just thinking that, yes. to the fucking tigers. And, you know, a couple things come to mind here, too. It's like, Joe, all these people that are going missing are, quote-unquote, skipping town. Like, I don't know that, like, that many people are skipping town. Like, that's quite a coincidence, you know? So, yeah, you do have to sort of look at him, and when there's no traceable evidence... Now, remember, this is 1938. No internet, no DNA... No real way of communicating aside from a phone. Um, 
you know, there's not a lot of networking available when it comes to missing people the way there are today or there is today. So, um, you know, just something to think about. Well, and alligators, I mean, I hate to say it, but they're probably going to eat, like, the entire body. Like, they're not going to leave, like, a bone, you know? They're not, it's not going to, it's almost the perfect crime. If he did this, we're not saying he did yet. We're not saying he did yet. We're not making any assumptions. We're just analyzing what we know. That's right. Right. Well, they did search Julia's home, however, and found that she hadn't packed any of her possessions, not even her clothes. Okay, so unlikely to skip town. That's right. The sheriff decided to question Joe again. This time, Joe recalled that Julia had actually been so desperate to leave town, she had begged him for a loan of $500 because she hadn't even wanted to return home. Now, $500, mm-hmm. by the way, in 1938 is quite a lot of money. Right. Um, that can take you very far, I'm sure. Over the span of just a few months, two more of Joe's waitresses, Darren, vanished from town. They skipped I town. I mean, he's the common... I'm trying to look up what $500 is in 1938. Go ahead. Do that while I keep, uh, keep going here. Well, although Joe was questioned about both of their disappearances, there was never any evidence linking him to their absence. And he claimed that they were simply more of the transients he employed now that's that's very likely too i mean i hear about this too i'm thinking of um ocean city maryland i have some friends who own some businesses down there and they have seasonal workers and people who come through it's not uncommon um Um, by the way yeah five hundred dollars in 1938 is nine thousand oh that's even more than i expected so that you can do a lot with nine thousand dollars these days you can do a ton with nine thousand there you go thank you for looking that up darren on on a quick little whim Well, in September 1938, one of Joe's former neighbors told investigators that he had seen Joe, are you ready for this, cutting meat from a human body. Oh, Lord. And feeding it to his alligators. Okay. Another neighbor, almost simultaneously. Also, if you saw a neighbor cutting meat from a human body, wouldn't you alert somebody? Well, it says that he told investigators when exactly he told them. Nobody really knows at this point, but... Um, you know, another neighbor almost simultaneously contacted the sheriff to complain, this is around the same time, about a rotten smelling barrel that Ooh. Joe had stashed behind his sister's barn. Now, I can only imagine that assuming you're this... your sister now? God damn. I know. That I can, I'm only assuming, and hopefully I never will know this, that a barrel full of bodies will stink up a town you know I what i would mean? imagine i don't know from firsthand experience yeah. but i imagine the way he's going about cleaning this shit outside of feeding the alligators isn't like yeah. you know pine saw or anything well like right that. so yeah well when investigators gonna smell yeah well when investigators searched for the barrel it was gone however joe's sister actually backed up the story of the barrel so she's like yeah huh. that happened Right. She, I don't know that she's necessarily saying there were bodies in it. We don't know. But she's saying there was a stinky barrel. Okay. Investigators decided to visit the saloon to speak with Joe yet again, at which time they decided to bring him to the sheriff's office for questioning. Joe asked the authorities if he could be allowed to close down the saloon before leaving for the station. The authorities agreed and sat down to wait for Joe. Oh, my God. I know. What? Isn't this what a bit hell? much? What the hell? Yeah. It makes me, it's starting to make me th- wonder, like, what influence he has, you know, beyond just charming women. Well, that's what I'm, right, exactly. But is know. he just like a sociopath where he's just so charming right. that, that's you what know, I'm saying, anyone yeah. believes? Yeah. Well, instead of closing, Joe walked over to the register and pressed the no sale button, which opened the drawer and in the register contained a 45 revolver. 
Joe Brand. By the way, this sounds like such a like bonanza country it western. It really is. It's you a know? western. I've yeah. been thinking western in my mind. <laughs> Joe brandished the gun at the police before pointing it at his own chest mm. and fatally shooting himself. Mm. Well, so a lot happened. Yeah. I mean, I hate to say it, but like at least what we know right now. I mean, it's. It, I mean, he looks hella guilty, right? But, like, in court yeah. of law, those cases will go unsolved. It's For a little sure. bit like the Gabby Petito stuff. You yeah. know, I think we all can make assumptions here. But, yeah. well, investigators immediately began combing through Joe's saloon and soon made some gruesome discoveries. Rotting mat was strewn around the alligator pond outside. Mm. Near the pond, authorities found a blood-soaked axe that was covered in its victim's hair. Oh, God. That the sheriff day. immediately began working on the theory that Joe had dismembered his victims and fed them to the alligators. I mean, the, the neighbor department... said, by the way, I saw him cutting up a human body. What more do they need from at that point? I mean, blood-soaked axe covered in victims' hair. hair. Yeah. La, la, la. The sheriff's department began piecing together what might have happened, recalling other disappearances in the area that they had previously believed to have been unrelated. Two missing bartenders and one young man who had frequented the saloon with Joe dead and the sheriff's department out of leads as to the scope of Joe's crimes, they turned to Joe's bootlegging partner, Clifton Wheeler, mm-hmm. and I mentioned at the top of the show. Clifton was brought in for questioning and at first denied any knowledge of what had happened to the missing people. After hours of questioning, however, Clifton disclosed that Joe's girlfriend, Hazel, had fallen in love with someone else uh-huh. and planned to leave Joe, leave town with her new boyfriend, and start fresh. Hmm. But this betrayal, combined with the town's accusations that he had murdered many, caused Joe to lose control and kill Hazel. I want to jump in here because speaking of betrayal, you can listen to all episodes of Betrayal with Darren Karp anywhere you listen to podcasts, right, Darren? I was going to say that, yes. You can listen to <laughs> all of the betrayals. No, I'm glad you did. Uh, and there's a lot like this, so That's definitely right. keep listening to it. Well, as proof, Clifton brought the sheriff to a spot outside of town and dug up a patch of loose dirt. The area immediately started to smell and ooze. Ugh, that is so disgusting. And I'm ooze. actually going to yell at Megan for putting the word ooze in our uh, research here tonight uh, because the words smell and ooze. It, what is this? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Like, I really can't handle that, actually. Uh, and unfortunately, this leads into even worse details. Well, part of Hazel's body were unearthed. Her arms, Mm. legs, torso. When investigators asked Clifton what had happened to Hazel's head, Clifton directed them to a fire pit where some of Hazel's teeth and skull fragments were found. Yeah, that's... This is getting worse by the minute. But Clifton claimed that Joe had gotten drunk one night and forced his partner at gunpoint to drive with him into the woods and dig a hole, at which point Joe pulled a 55-gallon barrel from the back of his car and forced it open. Hazel's remains were shoved inside of that barrel. Joe insisted Clifton help to saw apart what remained of her body and bury it, then burned her head on a campfire. By the way, you know, like, we're getting into the gruesome details of all this murder, but so far, I'm not really following a motive here. You know, like, Uh, it just sounds like Outside of just, like, it just sounds like fun. Outside of, like, a little jealousy, he's also killing these random people. It seems like he's doing it as his hobby. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Clifton later revealed that Joe had also murdered Minnie because she had become pregnant and he didn't want the baby to affect his relationship with Dolores. Okay, so maybe there is some motive here in terms of, like, you know, overall life, you know, he didn't want to have to deal with kids or he's a philanderer and wants to deal with it through murder. Right. Exactly. 
Clif Clifton also claimed that Joe had taken Minnie out to a secluded beach, shot her in the head, then brought Clifton to help bury her body, which was similar to the details we learned earlier in today's show. On October 14, 1938, police used machinery to dig up the beach and found Minnie's remains buried in the sand. Clifton vehemently claimed to have no knowledge of any other disappearances. By the way, I think mm -hmm. if Clifton is giving this much detail, I'm sure it's probably, you know, jarring like, and why not giving yeah, why and not like give it, all of it up. Yeah, like I'm sure he has he's given what he can give. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm just thinking if you're an accomplice to this kind of murder and this guy Joe, who doesn't seem like a great guy, is in control. You know, you're probably giving them everything that they can, that, he, that yeah. they can take, you know. Well, the sheriff's department later conducted another search of the saloon and found Joe's scrapbook, which contained photos of several dozen women. And although they were hopeful that these photos would help solve numerous disappearances and murders, they couldn't find a single connection between Joe and any women in the photos. Which is very haunting to me because I'm like, who are these people then? Like, what is the connection here? Are these like people he's targeting? Are these people he was going to hire in his saloon? Like, are these, yeah, these people just like, uh, patrons of his saloon that he just right. killed? Dolores yeah. was eventually found in California and had indeed left town to get a fresh start with her wow. new boyfriend. Sometime later, another of the women missing from Joe's saloon was found in Arizona. The meat hmm. found around the alligator pond was tested, and none of it was determined to be human. Thank God, by the way. Like, that's the one line I was like, at least we can find some silver lining in this. Well, I mean, it doesn't mean that it's not there. It's just the stuff that was tested wasn't At that. least that. You know, like, at least let's take right. that and be thankful that that wasn't human meat. However, Ugh. human meat. However, yeah. <laughs> some investigators I held know. the idea that Joe could have made an effort to clean up any human remains and simply not bothered about the animal meat, right? True. That's entirely true, although it doesn't prove anything. Right, In right. 1939, Clifton pled guilty to helping Joe dispose of the bodies. He received a two-year prison sentence, which is pretty mild, not only in 1939, but for yeah. the crime and for a black man. Like, yeah, I I'm agree. shocked. And I think it's probably because he helped them find the other bodies. Of course. That's the only thing I can think of, yeah. Well, after his release from prison, Clifton tried to open his own saloon. However, he was quickly made a pariah oh, in the town and soon left. I yeah. mean, and he was actually just never heard from again. What a weird story that took all these different. I mean, it started with cats and dogs. By the way, that's a great example. How many times have you said, Darren, most serial killers you hear of have early, um, you know, they kind of test their limits with, yeah, with animals. animals. Yeah, it's very disturbing. And I don't like it. I don't like it either. Well, I don't like it. Let us know what you thought of today's episode on social media at Jay Thrasher, Carpe Darren. Um, you yes. can hit us up on our Facebook group or send us a message on Patreon because we're responding to everyone there immediately. Um, Darren, we should get into some listener shout outs as we wrap up this final episode of 2021. Yes, let's do it. Patreon supporter Molly. This is my favorite. <laughs> Um, supporter Molly received her grand prize from our live stream game, which was, of course, a cat butt tissue holder or a just a cat butt holder. So which there you go. proves to be true. Unfortunately, Molly shared in her Facebook group that she got covid and has been quarantining with her family. But out of boredom, they've started a new interesting game saying my prizes, my prizes become a constantly changing decoration. The family is bored being in quarantine this holiday season. What can fit up the cat's butt has become a game. And then I wrote. <laughs> I think like this is basically the the, the point. The, the point. This yeah. is the what the inventor intended with designing a cat butt tissue holder. Yeah, this and I think the the photo Molly posted was like, 
some kind of like little like stuffed animal coming out of the cat butt holder, which is yes. fine. I mean, listen, it's a cat. A butt microphone tissue. maybe could fit up there. That's like right. What? Whatever may fit is why that was made. Correct. Oreo? Correct. Yeah, maybe. We hope that you're doing well, Molly, you and the family. Yes, that definitely. And Molly, we did check in with Molly and she seemed to be doing well and in good spirits, yeah. which is a best case scenario when you catch COVID. So good yes. luck to Molly and her family. Yes. Ms. Rose in our Facebook group also said, quote, John Thrasher, I've re- really channeled your energy and tried BSB, which is brown sugar bourbon, with Bailey's in my coffee. Now, I haven't tried it's both much, of them guys. together. This is too much. And she says, it is yum with capital Y-U-M. I would- Was it in Starbucks coffee? Good question. I right instead of Dunkin' Donuts, I would have never tried it if not for you, Yoda. Best, please enjoy my Star Wars nerd mug. LOL. And she posted a photo of her Yoda coffee cup, which of course speaks to my heart as a. I don't know. Am I a Star Wars fan? I guess I am. Yes, really. Well, I love the Mandalorian. (laughs) I know. I love the Mandalorian. The new Book of Boba Fett show just started on Disney Plus, which I'll watch. So I guess I am a Star Wars fan. But I'm not. I'm not one of those people that knows all the history. That's how I am with Marvel and like Harry Potter. But. I never really got into that the same well, way. Well, I'm glad to see your skills are being used. Yeah, you know, I'm doing what effect, I can. Full effect. Yeah. I'm you're doing, doing you're you're playing your part as a citizen. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, if you didn't get a Patreon subscription as a gift this holiday season, by the way, if you didn't, then you need to divorce or break up with your partner because that's rude. I mean, yeah, that's just that's horrible. They don't know you. Um, now is your time. <laughs> now is your time. Now is your time. You can support us. Uh, well, your support of us as independent creators keeps our show up and running. And we want to thank you guys so much who have already signed up. Darren, they can sign up for pretty cheap, actually, right? Yeah, you can sign up for as little as $5 a month. And you get tons of bonus content and access to everything we have already posted. And you can subscribe annually and save a whopping 15% too. So it's even cheaper than yeah. that, which is great. You can save a lot of money doing it annually. And plus, it's just easier. You don't have to worry about that bill every single month or whatever. But exactly. Starting in January, we're going to have our Patreon subscribers on our show. Dun, 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 dun. We are so excited to have you guys join us. By the way, if you want to be on our show, you can sign up for the super, uh, yeah, super fan tier of our Patreon um, subscription. You can go in. We might have to change it to super radish. Super radish. Maybe it's time to update all those things. I think you're right. Yeah, I think we we'll have a year of look. content. Yeah. Assassinator. <laughs> right. That can be a little, you know. Assassinator. I'm loving Sussinator. this. Assassinator. Well, we'll rethink the names. We'll, we'll think about that. That's right. Yeah. Well, but please go, rate, yeah. review, and also subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Very important for us here. Uh, it's like a little tip. You know what I mean? If you don't want to yeah. give us any money, we totally understand. But we could <laughs> really use... Some rating, some reviewing, and definitely some subscribing. That is always very helpful. Some suscribing. Yeah. Some like suscribing. You like, you like yes. what I did there? We always suss it. Absolutely. And speaking of sussy for putting the word ooze in this week's show, Ugh. we will still thank Megan. Let's do um, it. But uh, yes, let's do it. One, two, three. Thanks, Thanks Megan. Thanks, Megan. And cheers to 2022. That's right. uh, thank you all for t- an awesome 2021. Uh, awesome in terms of this podcast we're speaking now exclusively we're not saying that everyone had an awesome year just that's true podcast. that's true uh another uh you know another trip around the sun john it was always very fun darren thank you what a year yes. for both of us and i love you and i can't wait to hug you in 2022 i love you buddy love you too see you guys next year bye bye, bye.